going to have plenty of opportunity over the next uh, few years to uh, go on trips, and I encourage you uh, to get involved. Tonight, I want to talk a little bit about the domestic mission work, the work in Chattanooga. And before I talk about the details of that, I'd like to tell you where that all started. Back in uh, 1999, the missions committee was sitting around talking about people going to Central America. And we said, now, wait a minute, everybody can't go to Central America. Some people just do not want to sleep outside on a, uh, a concrete slab and out with mosquitoes. We need to find something that everybody can do. And so we decided to take on the domestic mission work. And what that involved was taking a group of Christians from Mount Juliet. I don't know what that is, but maybe it'll go away. Okay? Okay. So we wanted to find an area that was within about 250 miles of Nashville and make it accessible to everyone, that we could all get in the cars or get in our vans and drive to an area and spend a week knocking on doors. So with that in mind, we had that mission to do that. We said, where are we going to go? I mean, how do you just pick out a place to, to take 50 people and knock on doors? It's a hard thing to come up with. But working with some people from David Lipscomb University and other places, we came up on Covington, Kentucky. Covington, Kentucky. If you know where that is, it's right outside Cincinnati. And uh, we decided to go there. I picked up the phone. And I called the, the minister up there. His name was Gaston Cogdell. I said, Brother Gaston, my name is David Burka. I'm from the Mount Juliet Church of Christ, and we've chosen to come to, to Covington, Kentucky. And there's kind of a silence, and he's kind of quiet for a minute. And he says, David, I don't know you, but I can tell you, you didn't choose us. God chose you to come up here. We've just been given a, a grant of money, and the only way we could use that money was through domestic work. I've got a neighborhood here that needs somebody to come door knock. He says, the Lord has chosen you guys to come up here. And with that, I said, we're on the right road, and we went to get to, uh, to Covington, Kentucky, baptized 13 souls up there. The next year, we went to Athens, Tennessee, uh, a great work in Athens. And, and today, we have Allison and Ben Summers that came from the Athens congregation that worship with us today. 2001, we went to Sykeston, Missouri. 2002, Blytheville, Arkansas. Uh, 2003, Morristown, Tennessee. 2004, Fayetteville, Georgia, and then last year, and what I want to talk about for just a couple of minutes was the work in Chattanooga. We left here on a Saturday morning, uh, early, early Saturday morning, and we took 62 people, 62 folks went from our congregation down to inner city Chattanooga, and we had never entered an area like this before. We'd always gone to a middle-class area where it's nice and safe and comfortable. We had never gone to, to do an inner city work, and we weren't real sure how that would work out. But we were blessed beyond means. We were blessed incredibly by that, by getting down there and, and knocking on those doors. Uh, we knocked on uh, 6,000 doors, 6,000 doors. We talked to approximately 2,600 individuals, a lot of people home in the inner city. So we talked to a lot of, a lot of people down there. We, uh, we had 250 contact cards, that is, you go to the door and somebody's really interested in a Bible study, you take a contact card and there's a follow-up that goes on with that. We had 38 Bible studies that week, 11 were baptized and two were uh, restored. And for the first time ever, we went back down the, uh, that very same week to do some more follow-up. Let me explain that. Usually we would go for a solid week and go down and knock doors and come back and we would never go back to that city. We've never gone back. But in this case, we went down on a Saturday, 
came back to Mount Julet on a Wednesday, and there was eight of us that decided we need to go back down to Chattanooga. There's some doors that need to be knocked, some contact cards that need to be uh, followed up with. And so eight of us got in a van, went back down, and, and did some more work in the inner city. Um, since then, Robert Darby, who's the minister down there, you've heard him speak here a couple of times, uh, he credits our campaign with over 30 baptisms. Uh, so we did, we did a wonderful work down there, and God was pleased with what we did. And I'd like to show a slideshow of, some, of, of who went down there. Now, who, if you're in the congregation tonight and you went to, to uh, Chattanooga, please stand up. Please stand up if you went to Chattanooga. You guys that are new and just placed your fellowship with Mount Judah, look around. A lot of people do this, and we invite you to go with us next year. And, to, and speaking of next year, we're going to probably Dayton, Tennessee. Uh, that's in East Tennessee, and Dennis Nozel is going to lead that, that work. So we already have that on the books, and uh, we're even now looking towards 2007. So uh, be mindful and prayerful and, and get your calendars ready for that. watching that I, I could have given you commentary but those pictures were beautiful I, I ask that you pray about this work keep praying about the folks that we met in Chattanooga and I especially want to uh, thank Sandra Whittle and Mark Rinks and James Whitaker for all they did they went above and beyond putting this together it doesn't doesn't just happen but uh, please pray for the work and I'd like now Mike Kibbe to come up he's going to speak for just a couple of minutes and then brother Pat Hackney and Dan Neighbors will say a few words about Chattanooga If you've uh, ever asked yourself, how can I grow spiritually, I have an answer. You can go spend a week in Chattanooga or any other stateside mission. Um, I never understood how, uh, I used to make fun actually of, of people that would come and knock on my door when I was younger and, and try to sell you the Lord's work as I would call it. And now I realize that uh, it's one of the greatest things I think you can ever do. I grew so much by being in Chattanooga, just having the opportunity to, to go out and to talk to people and uh, to grow closer with my brethren. Each and every day started with, with prayer, and it started with the talk about the work we were going to do that day, and then we got to go out and physically knock on doors and talk to folks about the Lord. And every break we had, we were still talking about people we had seen or, or things we could have or should have said. Um, meal times, we were still talking about things. We had devotionals at night, of course, worship service in the evening. I've never spent a week doing nothing but serving the Lord. And uh, I know I grew so much from that week. Um, if it's something that you haven't done, I would definitely encourage you to do that. Um, one highlight of my week, I had the opportunity to meet a very special lady. Um, her name was Mary Griffith. And uh, I knocked on her door on Monday evening. It was about time to finish. It was one of the last doors that we knocked on. And uh, Mary was going through some sickness in her life. She was going through some rough times. And she told me that she'd been praying that the Lord would send her a sign or, or send her someone or something that would help her get her back on her way. And luckily, the church of Mount Juliet was in Chattanooga that week. Um, when I knocked on her door, she was very excited to talk to me, and uh, she wanted to study. She wanted to come to our gospel meeting, and uh, I asked her if she wanted to come that evening. She said, sure. So uh, she actually went inside and, and changed clothes in about 15 minutes, and she hopped on Old Blue with us, and we went back to the, the service for worship. Mary had been raised a Methodist and was sprinkled as a child, and it just so happened that uh, Brother Shannon gave a powerful sermon 
on whether or not immersion is necessary to be saved. So uh, by the end of that sermon, she realized that what she had done and she had called a baptism wasn't correct. Noeline um, and Amy or um, Annie studied with her that night, and uh, she wanted to be baptized, but she wanted her children to be there. So uh, she went the next day and talked to her family, and some things happened. I believe and she wasn't able to come back that Tuesday night, but Wednesday we went to see her again, and uh, we just simply asked her if she was ready, and she was. So we brought her back to the church, and at that time she was uh, she was baptized. And I, had, I tell you, it's a, it takes a lot for a, a grown man to cry, but uh, I definitely cried that day. It touched me greatly to know that I was able to, to be the first person to talk to her. I, it definitely wasn't by me that she came to the Lord, but I was just so happy, and it was so inspiring um, to be a part of that. She told us a story. Um, the next day, she, they had this old tree behind her yard, and Mary lives alone. She's a mother and a grandmother, but uh, she lives by herself now. And there's this old tree behind her yard, and uh, her and her neighbor had been talking about cutting this tree down for quite some time. Well, a big storm came through uh, that night, and this was two nights after she was saved, and uh, blew that tree down. And all that was left the next morning was the, the good part of the tree, the part that was alive and the part that was young. All the old dead part had fallen away. And she said she knew that that was a symbol of her baptism. So I would just encourage you, you know, you get to meet special people like this that, that I think about, and I've had the opportunity to write to Mary, and she's written back, and I know she's still being faithful at the church. And that's just one soul. We touched so many lives while we were in Chattanooga, and uh, I look forward to next year. And if you haven't done anything like that, I encourage you to do it. Um, if you have, I encourage you to go back, because it's, it's a wonderful thing, and it's a week of my life that I will always cherish. Thank you. Brother Hackett. I want to thank David Burka for organizing our trip this year. He did a wonderful job, and he always does. He organized that very first trip to Covington, and uh, we were about to not do a stateside mission. We talked about it and talked about it. No one seemed to want to lead it, and David stepped forward, and we appreciate David doing that, and he did a wonderful job. Instead of uh, telling a lot about the trip, I want to turn to a passage of Scripture. If you want to turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 14, read a few verses. Um, this is the account that Luke gives in the book of Acts as Paul and Barnabas concludes their first missionary trip. Paul had just been almost stoned to death. They rescue him and take him to the city of Derby, And we pick up where he had gone to that next city. In verse 21 of Acts 14, And when they had preached the gospel of that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. And then drop down as they return back to their home base of Antioch in verse 27. Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. As I was reading this passage, I was thinking this is exactly what happened in the city of Chattanooga is what happened in the city of Derby. And this is why we want to continue these stateside missions. The gospel was preached. Disciples were made. Strengthening of souls occurred. 
and we certainly exhorted them, as Brother Robert Darby's already ported back to us, to continue in the faith. And then what we're doing tonight, as we report about this mission work at Chattanooga, and in just a moment we'll get the work uh, report from the work in the Ukraine, we need to come back to the church and gather together as we are this evening and reporting all the good that God did. And we give God the glory, not anything that we did on this trip. Uh, we did several Bible studies, and we don't know even the good that that yet may be done from those studies. And we just appreciate the opportunity of getting to go. We appreciate the prayers that were said on our behalf and the support that this congregation gave each one of us and it was a great trip. And hopefully, as already been said, we encourage you, all of you, all that wants to go to Dayton, be making plans for that. We'll be giving the dates and the times on that. And thank you again for your great support. Would you die here, please, join me? Father, we thank you so much for the blessings that you share with us each day. We thank you for the blessings that come to us through you and ask you to continue these blessings with us and with all of our loved ones. For there is only one God, and that is you, Father, the great I am. We thank you so much for your sacrifice of Jesus for our sins, and we thank you, Jesus, for being that sacrifice for the sins of the world. Jesus asked us to pray for our enemies, and this is sometimes very tough. We know that if we do so, we can help out and bring their souls to Jesus. We touch the hearts of those that hate us, Father. Soften their hearts that they may receive the kindness and love of Christians and the story of your son, Jesus. We pray that many women in the services <clears throat> walk in a way that all will know that they are fellow followers of Jesus. We thank you that the leaders of the church at Mount Judy and the congregation here are mission-minded, Father, we are happy for all the mission work that has been done and carried on this year at Mount Juliet. We ask you to be with the leaders of our country. We pray that they will take a strong stand for a God that loves all people. We pray for those that have lost loved ones, Father, recently. Comfort them, Father, as only you can comfort. Give us the courage to all we can to comfort them and let them know that we love them. Father, we thank you so much and ask you for the blessing that you share with us, that you continue these with us in the days to come. We extend your love to those that are sick and hurting. We give kind words of love and comfort that can help them feel better, Father. We know that there are brothers and sisters, Father, and they heard it. And we've been blessed so, and help us as we go forth that we might share those blessings with them, those round about us. We are especially 
thankful, Father, for the opportunity at this time to be of service to those that have suffered through this recent two storms. Father, I ask you to help us use our love and resources to let them know that you care for them. We thank you that uh, all things we have we know come from you. And we know that if we accept Jesus' love and just sit on it, it does nothing. But if we share it with others, it always grows and grows, and good comes from it, Father. Strengthen our love for one another, and give us courage to love our neighbors as ourselves. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, your Lord, your Son, and our Lord and Savior, Father. Amen. Number 624. 624. If you would, let's all stand and remain standing for two songs. been encouraged by focusing on the Chattanooga stateside mission trip, we're going to spend a few moments talking about our summer mission trip to the Ukraine. And I'm going to ask PD and David, if they would, to come and uh, sit in the seats behind me as we get started. They're going to be sharing with us some facts about our dual purposes for this trip. One was to work with an orphanage, and then one was to work with the congregation there. There were seven of us that went from this congregation, and another member of our team uh, was from Texas, and I think that the only title we've been given is by Melissa Burka. She dubbed us the Ukrainiacs, and I'm not sure if, if that's an accurate term, but I kind of like that, so we might use that for the few years to come. Uh, we're going to show you just a few slides. This picture behind me is actually a picture we took on our trip, and uh, Dima is the one holding the child. He's the one who ran this camp, and uh, the child is one of the youngest orphans that was there at the orphanage. And we showed him this picture, and he was very excited because he said that was their mission, was to lift up these orphans 
and to lift up these children. And that's really, that's really what we did and what we tried to help them to do. I'm going to go over just a few of the facts and give you an overview of what was involved in our trip. We have on the next slide the dual purposes of this trip. We decided, I guess over a year before we went on this trip, that we wanted to do something in the Ukraine that would help children. Uh, you may not know that the camp culture in uh, the former Soviet Union is uh, very strong, and in areas of Russia and Ukraine, children go to camps all summer. And there are opportunities in those camps to take the time that was often used to teach communism in some camps, and even teach character using the Bible. Even some orphanages have started running these kinds of camps. We were the first group, although there are churches working with those orphanages, we were the first group that was allowed to live in the orphanage and spend 10 days there in a, in a Bible camp. It would be similar to a day-long VBS. That's probably the best way to describe it uh, that we would be used to. But our, our dual purposes were to spend 10 days in an orphanage run by the Ukrainian government. And this was a just very exciting for me to think of these children who had heard of God's Word before and talked to Christians, but this is a government-run orphanage, and we're able to tell these Bible stories. We also formed some positive relationships with them as representatives of the church. Uh, we felt like we were able to, to be ambassadors for Christ in the sense of maybe spending some intensive time with children who'd never spent time with Christians before. And uh, we also wanted to spend two Sundays with a congregation we support in Kresno-Armysk, and that is about 30 minutes away of the city from Donetsk, which is kind of the, the main region where we spend our time in the Ukraine. The orphanage was in Makievka, and then the church we support was in Krasnoarmysk. And uh, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing those names right either, so you can, you can call it what you want when you're talking to us. Uh, we, it goes by pretty much anything. Uh, that was one of the struggles we had was trying to explain to uh, the Ukrainians there exactly where we wanted to go because... They didn't understand the way we pronounced their different cities. Here are some quick facts about the trip. Uh, there were seven of us that went, Melissa Burke, David Fleming, uh, Petey and Susan, Myrna McKinley, and then Catherine and myself. In all, we reached approximately 60 children. And just to tell you about these kinds of children uh, that come to the orphanage, there are some that are traditional orphans, orphans in the traditional sense that their parents have, have passed away. Uh, many of them are there because their parents are no longer able to take care of them. Uh, alcoholism is very prevalent in that area, and so there are a lot of abuse cases and cases where their parents just aren't able to raise them. And so they were there. Uh, some of them have just dropped off their children, and because they haven't signed the necessary paperwork and done the necessary things, those children can't be adopted. And so there are some children that will just be there until uh, age 16 when they're able to go to a trade school. And so you've got children from all kinds of backgrounds. And I know I mentioned when we first came back, in one of our Bible classes, a little girl talked about watching her, I believe it was, watching her father uh, murder her grandmother or something like that. She was a witness to that. I mean, they are, they are coming from just so different uh, places and, and such a, a life experience that it was hard for us to relate to. And so we really wanted to reach them with God's Word. We had 10 Bible classes, one every day with children, and we had four activity centers a day. And so that was, that was uh, overall, we cut off a little bit early on the 10th day. So we had 38 activity centers that were designed for the most part to drive home the lesson that we talked about that day. We went through different Bible characters. And so we initiated even some promising studies with one of the orphanage workers who had never before studied the Bible. And some follow-up is even being carried on there. We also strengthened our bond with the church in Krasnodar-Misk. 
So for the next few minutes, I'm going to take you through a brief slideshow of what we did on our trip there. And then as PD is speaking about the children, you'll see some pictures of the children we worked with. And then as David talks about the church, the congregation in Krasnormysk, you'll see some pictures of the church there. I want you to notice when you look at, at pictures of the church, how small the room they meet in actually is. It's not any bigger if the same size as one of our classrooms here for our children. And that's where their congregation meets. And they had such a, a warm spirit, and it was very encouraging. But you can see in the first picture of our slideshow that uh, we, we have here the airport when we got into the Ukraine. We flew into Kiev. And then you can see in our next picture where we stopped and had one of our final American meals, uh, the McDonald's. And that was, that was nice to get before our 12-hour train ride that we took to get into the city of Donetsk. And the next picture here is the train station uh, that we finally reached in Donetsk. And we were very excited to see that after a 12-hour uh, experience that's uh, not quite like any other. Uh, we also stayed for our first night in the next picture. Uh, we stayed at what is called a sanatorium. I'm going to pronounce that very carefully. It's not a sanitarium, but it's a sanatorium. And uh, it, is, it is a kind of hotel or a lodging place there. Uh, we stayed there for our, our first night, and then we went and visited the church. Here in the next slide is a picture of the orphanage, which we worked. This was the driveway uh, where we went in. There's also another slide that shows you the kind of the outer, uh, outer state of the grounds as you went through, and you kind of get an idea of what we're working with. And then in our next picture, we have uh, Melissa and Susan mapping out how we're going to use the uh, yard area, <laughs> the play area, for some of our activity centers. And as we go through, here are some of the facilities that we worked in. Our next slide shows uh, the main hallway, and then the slide after that shows the, uh, the primary area where we had to, to get together and to fan out to the different classrooms. And uh, as we go through, there are some pictures of, uh, of other hallways. Let's look here. That's one of our classrooms. Uh, and then uh, that's the hallway that leads down to where we ate our meals. And the next slide is our craft room. That's where we set up all of our supplies that we had to prepare our lessons with. And uh, this next slide is going to show you our, uh, our, our lodging, where we stayed. And when you look at these pictures, uh, it is different than what we're used to. But what was very almost heartbreaking was to go in the rooms of the children and to see that they had put in some extra work. We had fresh coats of paint on our rooms. We had new sheets on our bed. Where we were living was a palace compared to where these children were living. And it really did, it really did break your heart and make you think about uh, the different things that they endure over there. Uh, we have in the next slide, uh, our ladies is there moving in, and so you get a sense of what a room over there was like. And we stayed there for most of the trip. We also have a picture of our, uh, our restroom facilities in the next slide. Um, that was our, our shower, and we did have uh, one shower for all of us. And, uh, and there's also a uh, hot water heater there. And if you'll notice, uh, you can't see the meter where the, uh, the needle reads on either H or C, but I can tell you, it spent most of the time around C. Uh, we didn't have... We didn't have very much, but it was, as, as we were focused on, on the mission, as we went through the week, it, it really did get easier. And as, so as we look through, you'll see another uh, uh, one of our restroom facilities in the next slide. And then as we go through, here is our team on the next slide. Uh, this is, is us. This is us after the week. And so, uh, so we, may, we may look a little bit tired. And here in this next picture is uh, 
our three ladies that uh, we dubbed the advisory committee. They uh, wore those visors out, you know, when we were we were outside, and I I, I liked that one. Uh, they were this this picture just had to be in there, but you can see they're they're the ones who uh, really made that time outside and so many of those those centers so great. And here is uh, on the next slide. Uh, here's Barbara, our team member from Texas. Uh, this is her signing for her luggage uh, a few days after we arrived in the Ukraine. It actually spent some time in Spain, I believe, so uh, it kind of took a detour, and, uh, but it got, it got back to her. We all got all of our luggage uh, eventually, which was great. If you look at this next picture, we see uh, this is Steve Tolliver, and he was a missionary we worked with there. He works with a group called Jeremiah's Hope, and they involve plugging churches in with orphanages. And so there's him at work. And uh, also we have uh, Arthur, who is our, our driver there in this next picture. And um, our next picture, we have uh, two of our translators. Uh, it's Dima and Dima. The one on the left, we just called Little Dima, and the one on the right, we called Big Dima. And uh, they seemed to enjoy that, and that was, that was good. And, uh, and Little Dima was a very effective translator, especially in our one-on-one -on -one studies. And Big Dima, as I've mentioned, ran the actual camp. Our next slide shows, uh, so it's Pasha, one of our translators, and then our next one is, uh, is Yegor, who is also one of our translators. Uh, if you look in this next picture, you'll see uh, Vitali, who, as you can probably imagine, did the songs with the children, and uh, he, was, he was pretty entertaining. In our next slide, we had uh, Dustin, who's also from Texas. He was an intern there, so he helped us tremendously. Uh, if you look, our day started with breakfast. And that's our first slide right here. Uh, this is our breakfast meal. You're probably thinking, Andrew, that's, that's the wrong slide. That shows meat and potatoes. That couldn't possibly be breakfast. I mean, meat and potatoes. Oh, it's the right slide. Uh, breakfast is, is just considered like any other meal. So we'd often start with uh, some, some hearty meat and potatoes. They fed us very well. Just by comparison, to show you a little bit about their hospitality, uh, we have a picture of the children eating in that same area and we, we see what, what they were eating. We wondered why they had to eat at different times than the children, but they didn't want us to see what we were giving the children and what, and what they were giving us. And so it's a very humbling experience. But we started off in our next slide with uh, kind of the singing we'd have at VBS, and I thought some of our, our pew packers would enjoy this. Our next slide shows everyone singing, My God is so big. And so uh, some, many of these songs were translated uh, into Russian. And also uh, our next slide, shows the, uh, the introduction of the Chicky Chicky to the Ukraine. Uh, if you've ever been to VBS, uh, you know that that is a, that is a worldwide phenomenon now. Uh, you can see kids enjoy it. It, it you know, goes over all language barriers. And, um, and so that was, that was very enjoyable. I did, when I called my parents, the one time I called over there, I told mom that I'd successfully introduced the Chicky Chicky to another continent. And she was, as you can imagine, very proud. And, um, <laughs> Our, ne our next slide shows uh, some Joy Like a Fountain with some of our adults really getting into it there. I thought that was good. And also, and this was a, a, a Ukrainian song, but we also had uh, David and Yegor in the next slide really, really getting into it. And that was, uh, that was one of the songs. You should have been there for that. That was enjoyable. And, um, and so as, as we go through, we also have uh, a, one of the, the book, the Bible storybook that they used. And uh, as we go through, here are just some pictures of the crafts that we did. Uh, during the day, here's another picture that uh, we'd sometimes do them inside or even in our next one outside, uh, making bubbles. And here is, uh, for our next slide, a picture of uh, lunch. I always began with some borscht, which we, which we enjoyed. Here's a picture of us, just to give you an idea of us uh, being introduced to the food by the translators. Then we would go for another afternoon in our next slide of, uh, of more activity centers. 
And so as we go through uh, in our next slide, a lot of times we would do arts and crafts things. They don't get to keep very much, so they love what they can take with, back to their room and what they can keep. And so then we would head out after a period of rest to, uh, to their playground for some, some playtime. And I want you to look at this next slide. That is the view from the playground. And just to give you an idea, some context where we were. Uh, here is on our, our next slide, here is a picture that displays how much they enjoyed giving us food to eat. Uh, David is really loading up there. Uh, here is our kitchen staff in our next picture that prepared our meals. And as you look at our next one, we had one big event every night. Uh, we would oftentimes, they would show a movie or do something for the kids. And then probably the most special time of night was in this next picture when we got to go. And even in the show, the picture after that is really neat. Uh, there, if, if you don't think that the teddy bear ministry makes a difference, we made teddy bears one of those activity centers and you wouldn't believe how much these kids loved them. And we're stuffing them under their pillows and making sure the other kids didn't get to them. And uh, we were able to have a devotional with them and to, uh, to pray with them, and it was just very powerful. Uh, these last couple of pictures just show uh, a banner that we made for all the staff there, and in the next one, a completed mosaic we made of the fruits of the Spirit so that they could have those to remember our team by. For next year, we are planning on a team to return. I do want to tell you that it will be probably more focused on the church in Kresnoramisk and we'll have an abbreviated time in, uh, in the, an orphanage, and we'd also like to do a campaign with the church there, and there's some other opportunities. And please pray about this and think about this, and, uh, and talk to me if you're interested in going. Uh, we'd love to, to continue the work there. Uh, as I said, PD and David are going to tell you a little bit about uh, what went on. I've, uh, PD told me that uh, he couldn't even say hello in five minutes, but I told him I had a lot of confidence in him, so I think we can do it. Uh, we're we're going to spend just a few minutes talking about the children and, and the church, and then we'll close our time together with an invitation. This congregation and the elders and God has blessed me uh, with the chance to go on, I think, 10 or 11 uh, mission trips. And the, fir the first ones I went on is before I had first surgery and then second surgery and broken ribs and everything. We worked on... Uh, in construction and medical stuff. And after all these surgeries, I got where I just couldn't do this. And Susan asked me, if, were we gonna, was I gonna go even I, after having the surgery in, Jan, in February? I said, if I'm healthy or if I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm going. So David and I talked and we both decided that neither one of us health is very good, but we were still going. I think both of us had found our calling. For 10 days, my only job was to play with youngins. I loved it. I don't know what I was thinking, thinking about, you know, your, your thoughts of what the kids would be like, but they were beautiful kids. Not only in heart, but they were just pretty kids to boot. If you want to picture some of the things up there where we are, just picture the, the movies you see of the 1940s and 1950s. That's what everything looked like. There were seven of us went. That meant there were four adults, one almost adult, and two kids. Dave and I represent the two kids, and we had a blast. The uh, one thing that I want you children to think about, you teenagers, as you see up in these things, you'll notice, this, uh, if you'll look and you'll watch, you'll see some of the same shirts on different people. And you'll see some of the same clothes on these, and they're not taken the same day. These kids sometimes wore the same clothes four to five days a week. They had none of their own clothes. They might have two or three pictures and the teddy bear we gave them 
Oh, man, you see boys, big kids, walking around with it. They had no possessions of their own. None. It's, it's just amazing. They didn't even have a closet to put their stuff in. They picked their clothes up from everybody, everything else. The one thing that I can tell you that we had the opportunity, and so I asked Susan so I could blame part of the time that I spent on her if I run over my time on the things that we should talk about the orphanage. That morning, we would each probably have anywhere from 10 to 15 kids in our groups. We got to study with these children and talk to them about Bible stories and just in total amazement of how they sponged this up, how they sucked it up. And children are where you begin. David had a lesson not long ago about if you start with children, what the potential of them being long-time Christians. You start with teenagers, you start with 20. By starting with this, we planted these seeds. God will know what is going to come from them. Uh, my favorite thing that I did, first of all, I'll tell you my least favorite. My least favorite was playtime. Playtime was free time. And Susan said, why did you not like playtime when I had that written down? Is because you can hear them. David, 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 or Susan, Morna, Morna. They'd all be hollering. They could say Melissa because that's what they, they have a word, Melissa. But you'd have five or ten kids wanting you to give them total, all yourself to them. And how you do that with five or ten kids? It's not that I didn't like to play with them. These children just didn't have adults. Oh, they might have one adult for 50 kids. But they had never had anybody to come and tell them about God and show them what a godly person was, was like, what a Christian was like. They, my favorite thing to do was we had the opportunity, like Andrew said, to go put them to bed. Some of these children had never been kissed goodnight, especially by a man. Never. Can you imagine that? Kids, can you imagine your daddy not even being home? Can you imagine your mama not coming and giving? They may say, Tim, you get to bed, but they always gave you up, didn't they? These children didn't. And every night, I know David did too, we went to the, the girls' section because that's what we taught, Susan and I. And every night, I gave every one of them a kiss on the cheek. And it, there's some of the older kids, 14 and 15, didn't know. What one sure before the end of the first week, they would wait for their hug and their kiss, and each one of them prayed. And to hear their prayers, brothers and sisters, to hear their prayers, thanking God or Borg, as they, as they call God, for their food, for the clothes they had to wear, for the orphanage. Some of these rooms didn't even have a light bulb in them. We'd have to meet in another room. But thankful for what they had. And they had nothing to play with. And we planted seeds that, to know that they are good things in life. I didn't know what would come to it. I still don't. But God does. And we're told that if we plant the seeds, God will water and let it come out. I've got a list of things that I would, I would like to tell you about, but 
I don't know. You can't do this in, in five minutes. And the thing I liked absolutely the least was saying goodbye. Because they had kids that were crying, didn't want Melissa to leave, or Myrna to leave, or Susan to leave, Andrew and Catherine to leave. I had a little girl crying, begging me not to go. Begging me not to go. Just screaming not to leave. I had them ask me, will we come back and teach them more about God? How many kids that are 11, 12, and 13 ask you to come back and teach them more about God? To me, it's just amazing. And I think my five minutes is up, but I didn't go too much longer. Probably it's Susan's fault because she gave me some of the stuff to talk about. But y'all, each one of you were represented there. By the elders letting us go, each one of you, each and every one of you, was represented there. We hope we represented you well, but God and all the glory for everything that was done, and I thank him for all the fun that I had, even the crime that I had to do. Well, Andrew assigned me to talk about the church, and he also said that he told you the facts. But as an elder, I can countermand that. Number one fact is, there was hot water. You just had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to get it. <laughs> and also, the, uh, we need to have the people that were with us on this trip stand up, if you will stand up. Now, I want you to notice these ladies especially, and think about the other pictures you've seen tonight from stateside, and maybe the other time you saw pictures from uh, the mission to Central America. If you notice those pictures, you see some of these faces more than once. And so these are people not only uh, have a life, but they have a life besides a life in many places and many times. Uh, our, our mission people are very courageous to go and face strange foods. Uh, the ladies might say, what is it? But they'd eat it, and maybe later we'd tell them what it was. But anyway, it, it would be good. But also, Andrew asked, uh, P.D. and I to come up here and sit, and I know why he did it now. Uh, he could show pictures about us we couldn't see, but I, as an elder, I want to put a disclaimer on any picture you saw of me, whatever it was. It's not true, possibly, and I'll tell you later whether it is or not. But my job is to talk to you about the church in Krasner Mask. Uh, about 11 years ago, Steve Hale and others from this congregation went to that city, and we thought we had some hardships with the trips that we made, and we did have some. But if you go back and look in our old bulletins in the library and, and at, at different uh, places you find information, talk to people like Ann Craddock, Kay Smith. They have been there. These ladies were courageous to go. And uh, Ann, I know, went several times. I know all of you know the name Nancy Hackney. She's no longer with us. She went several times and did many great things with the people there. In Krasner Mesk, uh, Steve led groups to uh, the schools and taught in the schools. Uh, they were able to um, talk to the people about Christ and people believed in Christ and people were baptized to follow Christ. And as here, so there. Many people would follow and stay strong and stay true. Many would fall away and no longer be around. At, at times, the church in Krasner Mess reached maybe 50 people. Uh, they've met in different places. They've, they had a room in the uh, House of Culture, I believe they called it at one time. 
There have been times when, they, when they've had young men come from other places. Uh, the school at Gorlovko was started uh, during the time that Steve was working over there early on. And uh, preachers and students would come from there to work with the congregation. Much good was done in Krasner Mess by those efforts. And many of those young men went on and are doing other good works today. Uh, Roman, who was with us over there, he may or may not be in one of those pictures, he was preacher there for a while, has come to the school in the States and gone back and is now finishing up studies in, uh, in that area. One of the things he wanted us to do while we were there was to help them find a preacher. Well, they had told us they were looking for a preacher and we want them to find a preacher and support them in that effort. But we went the first Sunday that we were there and PD preached to the people that Sunday. And as you can see in the pictures, it's not a large room. As Andrew said, they're not a large number of people. Uh, there may be about a dozen people in that congregation right now. But when PD talked to them, he talked to them about farming and things they understood because they are in a farming region. And most of that congregation is ladies, and those are very good ladies and very true ladies for the most part, and they want so much to serve God and to see that congregation thrive and survive and grow. They are very adamant about wanting a preacher. Uh, that is very important to them, to help them in evangelizing their community and holding the congregation together. In